0: So today is the Super Bowl. <laughs> However, that's later. All right. Right now, we're in the house of the Lord, and we are going to worship. Amen. All right. I've, got, I've got everybody to stand up, please, before we begin. Um, if this is your first time here, thank you for making us this home church. Uh, but for those of you who are joining us, who know already, uh, we usually start off the, the service with a testimony. So I'm like to call up my brother Ricky and give a hand for Ricky as he comes up. And he's going to share a quick testimony of what God has been
1: doing in his life lately. So, Amen. Thank you, Tony. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, just wanted to share what God's been doing. Uh, uh, just lately, it's been uh, just refreshing to be used by God. Lately, uh, I've just been able to uh, reach out to people, especially people who haven't been uh, old friends, you know, reconnecting with people that haven't talked to in a while. And so just be God being able to open up those doors, and uh, being able to uh, get back in their lives to share the gospel with them, just to be there for them, counsel them, whatever it is, it's always refreshing to be used by God, and uh, it's been it's been great to be able to reconnect with with old friends and uh, and just people in general, amen. And so, not that it hasn't happened before, it's just when it's you know when you have old friends that you know need Jesus. That you could just be there for them. You could encourage them. Uh, It's just always refreshing when God opens up those doors. And it only happens when when you make yourself available, when you have that desire, right? And in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, uh, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. So you can see that God is looking for people to use. God wants to use people. When you make yourself available and when you're willing to be used by God, you're going to see how God's going to use you it's just a great feeling, it's it's, it's encouraging, and it's a blessing to your life that God can use you as as his voice, as his hands, as his feet, whatever it is, to impact people's lives, amen. So that's what he's been doing in my life lately, and it's an awesome uh, uh, feeling and a, a great blessing to my life, amen. So let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for this day. And I just pray, Lord, that we would have the heart of Isaiah, God, that we would respond with that same attitude and heart, Lord, here I am, Lord, send me, use me, God, to reach out to people, to plant those seeds, to preach the gospel, Lord. So, Lord, we make ourselves available to you. Uh, and, And this morning, oh, God, we make ourselves available to you, Lord. Speak to us. Encourage us, oh, God. Challenge us this morning, this afternoon, God, so that we can be you, oh, God, to this world, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Have your way. Be glorified right now through worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Hallelujah. No, Would you mold it to be the way that you want it to be, alive and of
3: planted firmly. My foundation is in you, God. We thank you, Lord. Oh, can we just do that? Just softly. Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, you're the lover of my soul. Jesus. Friend, when there is no one, I have you. When I have nothing, I have you. When I'm lonely, I have you. When I'm broke, I have you. When I'm wealthy, I have you. When I'm not lonely, I still have you, God. Let me not and let us not forget, God even when we have everything when the sun is shining down on us that you are still there and you still want our attention and our affection may we never stop pursuing you and a right relationship with you we just thank you Lord for being in this time and everybody said amen and amen hallelujah give the Lord a hand clap of praise he is worthy we are going to prepare for Communion, And so as they pass out the elements, I want to read this scripture to you. So in 1 Corinthians 11:23 23 through 25, Paul is saying, he's reciting what Jesus had said. He said, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And for those of you that may not know who Jesus is or what he did and why he did it, he did it because we are all sinners. We all were slaves to sin. We are all missing it. And Jesus came to just create that relationship again, to to create a way where we can have that relationship with him again. And so he gave us the new covenant. He fulfilled the old covenant. So we don't have to try to live up to 613 Jewish laws. Amen. Like, I'm happy for that, that I don't have to try to keep my cottons separate from my linens. But Jesus... He was going to be betrayed by even the one, one that followed after him, and he died even for him. And so we take this in remembrance of the body that was broken for us and the blood that was poured out for us. And so I want to just take this time as we reflect on that. Get right in your heart with God because this is a sacred covenant that we do this. So if there's sin in your life, confess it to God before you take it. Be cleansed. And honor him as we, as we do this to remember him. And then we will take the elements together. Lord God, we just thank you so much for your body that was bruised and bloodied for us. And we thank you, God, for your blood that was poured out for us, God. I pray that you would forgive us of our shortcomings, Lord, as we live to the holiest standard that you have set up for us. We know that there is grace for us when we fall. We love you, God. We revere you. And we revere you by living holy. God, help us to be more like you. And let our testimony say that we belong to Jesus. Lord God, I thank you for this covenant. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can take the bread. Come and collect uh, your little element cups, and uh, we are going to go through our confession of faith. This is our Christian worldview. We recite this every week to remember exactly that this is what the Bible teaches us, and this is what we stand by. This is what we we live. We live for Jesus. We live for God. So if you guys want to repeat this after me on the count of three, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead i believe in the eternal reward of believers in jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in jesus i believe in the united church of jesus christ built upon apostles and prophets elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail i believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone in christ alone by god's grace alone and for the glory of god alone amen greet your neighbor if you guys need prayer you can come up to our prayer workers up here. Thank you.
4: right. Clap it up for Jesus. Clap it up for second service. It's good to see all of you guys here. Welcome back. Some faces we haven't seen in a little bit, but it's good to have you guys here. Keep on coming, inviting your friends, your families, your neighbors, waiters and waitresses. Come on. How many of you guys want to see new people for second service? We got to go out there and get the lost. So you guys are the team. You make it happen. So we are just so thankful that you are here worshiping the Lord with us. We have Our main services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. That's our King's Kids service for the whole family. In the back there's the King's Kids for infant to 11 years old. And then every Friday we have Elevate at 7 p.m. for 11 to 18-year-olds. That's our Elevate youth service. They're rocking it out for Jesus. It's an awesome place for our teenagers to be growing in the Lord and winning their friends uh, for him as well. So we're just so excited about what God is doing in that ministry. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Say it with me. Say vision, strategy, goal. Our vision is loving God, loving people. That's never changed since day one. Our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups. We want to connect you. We want to mentor you through the 101 and the 201. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism. Uh, No, brother, go back to the original slide. I'm not done with that one yet yes we want to connect you to the church through life groups we want to mentor you through the 101 and 201 books and we want to send you out to do evangelism and our goal is to have a hundred thousand disciples in chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world if that makes you excited say amen come on let's get to the connect phase look to your neighbor say get connected If you turn your hand out around, you'll see the schedule for the quarter, find a place to belong, okay? There's different times, places, locations, types of life groups that will meet the needs of your family. To kick it off today, we have our single moms meeting, come on, child care is included at that life group, they meet together at 5 p.m., they're blowing it up for Jesus, so much love and healing and care that happens at that life group. Also today, we have our singles meeting, come on, make some noise, singles. 18 to 35 year olds are welcome to attend there's the address they're meeting today at 4 and they're also having a super, super bowl party so it's gonna be a lot of fun so if you're in that age group and you're single join them out there it's gonna be an awesome time Then on wednesdays every week we have our king's kids infant to 11 years old at 6 30 here at the church if you have children in that age group this is the place for them to be on wednesday nights we have royal rangers um, boys club impact girls club the best leaders, children leaders uh, in the world, and they just pour into these kids, and it's just a powerful time. Every week on Thursdays, we have our gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Join them, meet them on the streets. Fridays, we have two adult Bible studies for you guys. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the uh, Vivitz, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. They're rocking it out, and it's just a good place to be on Friday. So if you're an adult, that's where you want to be on Friday nights. We have Elevate for the teenagers, You're 18 and up, go to the Bible studies, get fed, get some fellowship. It's just a great way to connect to Jesus throughout the week and connect to the body of Christ. Then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor, 101 and 201. Our 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through that book one-on-one to help you in that journey. And then our 201 is disciples that make disciples, okay? This is where we teach you how to be a leader in the church, and that's a a class setting We have a class on Sunday mornings with Pastor Jared, Thursday evenings with Pastor Ellie, and it's just a powerful time for you guys to keep growing in the discipleship and getting more connected in ministry. Then we want to send you out. Say, send. We want to send you out to do evangelism, to reach the lost uh, through street preaching. So we have that every Saturday from 5 to 8 on the streets of Chicago meeting here at the church. So we just want to encourage you guys, join them out there, warriors for Jesus, preaching the gospel to the lost. And it's just going to strengthen you. It's going to encourage you. It's going to make you bold for Christ. So in review, MPI has a vision, strategy, goal, vision of loving God and loving people, a strategy of connect, mentor, and send. And all of you should be in one one places of that. You should be in the connect and mentor. You should be in the mentor and the send. Do it. And then our goal is 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Let me get a woo-woo. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue our act of worship as we learn and prepare to give our tithes and offerings. Here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income you've given regularly to the church because we believe that belongs to the Lord. And an offering is an amount between you and God that you give faithfully as well. And we designate that towards missions and building And we will support various mission projects throughout the year. And currently, we're in a building fund to raise new band equipment. So we want to thank you for your generosity and supporting what God is doing at MPI and here in the city. Before we continue on with that, I want us to get into the lesson today from the Disciples Giving Book. If you want to turn to the website, it's givingbook.org. It's a 52-lesson book all about tithes and offerings, one lesson for every week of the year. Isn't that awesome? Today we're on Lesson 6, God Curses Those Who Don't Tithe. Say, that's pretty serious. Pretty serious. Here's the definition. The tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. Say faithfully. We're going to be reading in Malachi 3, 8 through 9. You could turn there in your Bibles. You could follow on the screen. This passage of scr- Scripture is probably one of the most popular of tithes and offering verses. Malachi 3, 8 through 9 reads, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, How are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. How many of you guys think that God takes tithes and offerings pretty seriously if he's gonna make a comment like that? Here are the two main points that we can learn from that passage of scripture. Number one, not tithing is considered robbing God. Say robbing God. Don't do that. God considers the tithe his. Thus, when we don't give it back, he considers us robbers. God have mercy on us for that. And I pointed this out in the first service. If you notice, he says, your whole nation, your whole nation is guilty of robbing me. Did you know that as Americans, all of America right now, we give more to pet food than we do to tithes and offerings? It's been proven. It's been studied. It is a statistic that we give more finances to pet food as a nation than we do to the kingdom of God, that we do to tithes and offerings in the church. That's pretty bad. And so we have to make sure that we're being faithful before the Lord because everything we have is his. And all he asks is 10% for the tithe and an offering that could go to further his kingdom on this earth. And number two, God curses those who don't tithe. God curses or punishes those who break his commands, both in this life and in the judgment to come. And we believe that we should follow all commands of God that he's given to us. And when we trust God with our finances, we're saying, you are truly Lord, you are truly our master. And we're not going to... you know, be in charge of that one area. God could have all the rest, but not my money. Here's a summary. Giving God our whole tithe is a very serious command that will result in curses and punishment if we neglect it. And here's how to apply this in your life personally. Number one, don't rob God by keeping his tithe. It's his. It belongs to him. Don't give him the leftover of your paycheck. Whatever's left in the account, you give that first. That belongs to him immediately, automatically, Number two, repent if you have been robbing God by stealing his tithe. And three, give God your tithe faithfully. If I have faithful tithers and givers in this place today, let's confess this over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If you want to be in partnership with God and his church, please stand up to your feet with me this afternoon. As we prepare to give the Lord our best, our tithes, and our offerings, Again, MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income given to God regularly and faithfully, and an offering is anything above that, an amount that you, s- you pray, you ask God what that should be, that we designate towards missions and building. And I just want to always remind you on the envelope to be very specific about the amount of what you want to go towards each category. And here are four ways that you could give here at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering here at the front. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Jerry for that. And number four, online with Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or BillPay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. So we want to give you a variety of options to make it very convenient for you. Here's the update of our building fund. Come on, clap it up. New band equipment. From the start of the year, we've raised $2,940. That is almost 3000 in like a month. So God is awesome. You guys are so generous. That leaves us with only $8,180 left. I know we're going to knock that out together. Praise the Lord. So if you haven't um, partnered with us yet, you haven't asked the Lord uh, what to give, we want to encourage you, number one, pray. Ask God what you should give. Two, listen to the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you. And three, give, give generously, be obedient. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4.18 And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, God, your provision over our lives. And we want to be found faithful. We don't want to be found as robbers in your eyes, God. So we commit the tithe to you. We commit, God, our offering. And we say, God, multiply it. Use it to further your kingdom on this earth. We trust, oh God, that you will provide our needs God, to meet the needs of our family, our children, so that we could be blessed, to be a blessing to everybody around us, God, so that our vats would overflow, that you would pour out a blessing so numerous, God, that you would bust out the storehouses of heaven, that we would have room to receive it, and we just trust you, and we thank you for your abundant blessings in our life, and I pray that you would bless the gift and the giver, prosper them on their jobs, with promotions and raises and places of employment, Lord, so that we could be found faithful, God, and we just will give you all the glory and all the praise, and Jesus, name. And everybody said amen and amen. Please come forward as you gave and we thank you so much for your support and your generosity.
5: Are you ready to get it on. Make some noise. Whoop, whoop. Come on, you guys, ready to do some spiritual warfare. Come on, say, man. Amen. amen. Bring up that piece for me, though, my brother. I totally forgot that. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Let me get some love from Marcus here. Come on, my man in the house. Ricky, get some love. Ricky, get some love, man. We got some good guys in here, some awesome sisters and brothers in the Lord. If you have noticed, thank you, that it's a little darker here. Your eyes aren't playing tricks on you. All three of our stage lights went out today in the morning, so we couldn't get it fixed. But uh, Ricky said he will stay late today and make sure he gets it done. He'll pop open an electrical box and figure it out. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we have an idea of what it is. I think a short happened and then just blasted them all at one time. So we'll get them fixed for next weekend. And that's why it's important to give to the church, right? So if this was like a sign of uh, finances doing bad, then, then like next week, the those lights go out. Next thing it's all dark. There's no heat. But you see, every dollar counts. Amen. We put it to work for Jesus. Now open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We're starting a brand new sermon series on spiritual warfare. Everybody go, ooh. All right, this is going to be really fun, spiritual warfare, and uh, what it's going to be about is learning how to fight against the weapons of the devil and against the, the hordes of hell, and it, for some of you, it, it's going to be a little spooky. For some of you, you're going to be like, oh, I don't know, I'm a little uncomfortable talking about demons and angels and all of that. For others of you, it's not going to be spooky enough, okay? Some of you, you want to start dressing up as medieval knights, and you want holy oil, and you're going to want to know your guardian angel's name, like, Jesus, just tell me his name or her name so I can talk to him, you know. So we're not going to start telling you your guardian angel's name or how to communicate. And 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 so if you're, you're on one side or the other, just come to the middle. Join me in the middle ground here. We're going to learn what Jesus taught. We're going to learn what Paul taught. So it is going to be scary for some and, and not as far out and spooky for others. But how many are ready? Can I get an amen? Amen. We're ready to learn what the Bible teaches about spiritual warfare. And today's message is the basics because we all got to know the basics. So we got to get on the same page. We're starting this series, probably go through March at least, maybe, uh, I mean, at least through February, may go through March, but we'll see how the Lord leads. But today we're going to go over a lot of the basics. For for some of you, you may know this. Others, uh, it may be a review. But let's go to our series text. You'll be hearing it uh, every sermon this month. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and it is um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and it ends with him saying, uh, begins with him saying, finally, because it is the end of the letter. Now, the book of Ephesians was written to the people in Ephesus, so it was called Ephesians. What would the name of the book be if Paul was writing to Chicago? Chicagoans. You guys are good, right? That's pretty cool to think of it that way. So the Ephesus people, the Ephesians, are Paul's congregation. He's writing a letter to explain some things to them. And here at the end of the letter, he goes, finally, chapter 6, End of the letter. He goes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, that's the first thing we need to understand when we're learning about spiritual warfare. Don't let it scare you. Don't let it freak you out. It is real. The devil is real. Demons are real. You're going to understand that they are more real than probably most of you have been paying attention to. It is a real battle going on. But here's the thing. We're not going to focus on fasting. We're not going to, though, fasting can be biblical. We're not going to focus on having prophetic dreams. We're not going to focus on interpretive dance and waving around banners that look like fire when we wave them. We're we're not going to focus on those things, though, those things are fine if you have one of those banners. Like my wife, she has one. And in her prayer time in the bedroom, she's whipping them around. It looks like little flames, and I love it. And every now and then, don't tell anybody, but every now and then, now and then I'd be grabbing that thing too. <sighs> it's like a little tambourine thing with the little, fl- you know, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's got these little flurries at the end. I just, <laughs> I just feel Jesus when I do it. So anyways, we're not going to focus on that. We're not going to focus on that. What we're going to focus on is Jesus being strong in the Lord. Be strong in Jesus. So what we need to do is understand that the battle belongs to the Lord. That's how we start the sermon series. That's how the sermon series is going to get all of its main points from. It's all about Jesus. And it's going to end with having faith in Jesus, okay? So at times you may feel weak. At times you may doubt some of the things you're going to read as you learn about six winged creatures in heaven. But here's the thing. Put your faith in Jesus. Trust him. Be strong in him. And then you will make it. You will be victorious. Amen? So that's the deal. And it's okay. And, and as we get into some of this, it's okay to be skeptical. But, see, a true skeptic wants to learn. They say, teach me. You know, I've never heard this before. I don't understand it. You know, that's okay. God wants us to have our brains on when we're in church. But if you say, I don't know about this, and you know, I don't know anything about this, but neither do you, then you see that's prideful. That's a That's a proud person because the thing is you don't know what you don't know. So if someone's been to heaven and told us what it's like, let's, let's listen to them, you know. If Jesus tells us there's angels, let's believe them. Let's just take them at his word till we have a good reason not to believe him. And we'll get into that in a moment. But just remember, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God. Everybody say, put on the full armor of God. Now, those are going to be some fun messages when we learn about the armor of God, but we need to hear why we have to put it on today. So those will be in the future messages. Today's the basics. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So you got to look at your battle like this. You're taking your stand against the devil's attacks. The devil does attack us. He is real. And you're saying, I'm going to stand my ground. And look at it like this. Imagine if somebody invaded America, and you're at your house, and you're like, man, they ain't getting me to leave. I am not retreating from here. I got my shotgun, I got my AR, I got all these weapons they tried to take from me before, but now we need them to defend our country. Come on, somebody. I'm standing my ground. I may live, I may die, but one thing for sure is I will not be moved from here. I will stand my ground. And as you're going to learn throughout this message, what we are doing is standing on victory. We're not fighting to try to get victory. Christ already gave us the victory, so you're standing in the place of victory. And as you will learn about spiritual warfare, the time when we lose the battle, because we're always going to be in a battle, so if you think being in a battle is a strange thing, that's where you got to change your mindset, because some of us, we think we're in a battle, and that means it's wrong. And I've actually been been, been uh, privy to fall to that, where I'm like, man, why am I fighting all the time. Why am I fighting? Is something wrong? And you got to remember what the Bible says. Think it not strange when you find yourself in fiery trials. Being in the trial isn't a problem. It's if you let the trial defeat you, okay? So if you notice things going wrong and you're being attacked, don't automatically think something is wrong because bad things do happen to good people. you got to learn how to stand your ground, amen? So you put on your armor. You get strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, and you stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Now, this is what's going to blow your mind. See, for some of you, this is going to mess with you. For others, you're like, I'm ready for it. How it. How many people I got ready for this? Can I hear an amen? Okay, I'm going to start preaching no matter what, but some of you, you might want to take your time, but listen, I ain't going to do you wrong. Just look at the Bible. That's what the Bible said. So, what that means is, I got to understand that if flesh and blood is doing evil things, I have to know those evil things have an origin in the devil. So, where did the idea of abortion come from? The devil. Where did the idea of Islam come from? The devil. Where did the idea of fascism and communism come from? The devil? The North Korean dictator? The devil? Now here's the thing as you guys are going to learn, you got to remember not neither the devil nor God can violate the treaty of man's free will. When God created the universe, he created man with free will. And so if God restricts himself and will not violate free will, certainly the devil cannot violate that. So nobody can say the devil made me do it. Man stands as an autonomous creature that decides what he will do based on what he believes. But listen, he can be influenced or she can be influenced by the devil. And so Islam, when you look at ISIS, and we may have to fight a real literal war, and when we look at crime, we may have to put literal people in jail, but those ideas are based from Satan. Satan is the one who brought forth the ideas of treason and rebellion against God. And so I want you to understand this. The, the war that you and I are in right now is very, very real, but we cannot take it out on people. We have to pray for them. We have to love them. And even if we have to fight them and and, and take them out, we still not can see them as the source of the evil. The greatest battle we will fight is not in the military. It is against the devil and his in his armies because if we take them out, people won't de- believe the devil's lies. So I may have to fight a battle like the U.S. military against ISIS, but what's the greatest thing? Praying for Muslims in the Middle East that they may repent and stop believing the false doctrines of jihad as taught in the Quran. Do you get the point here? Does everybody get that? See, that's how the battle is won. You can get somewhat of a safety fighting earthly battles, but you can't ultimately win unless you attack the root. And the root of all sin, the root of all evil is the devil. Now. For the sake of clarity, I wanted to write down an introduction to spiritual warfare. And I saw some of you uh, looked at my post on Facebook. And here's the thing. I said, man, if I don't write this out and I just try to to talk about and preach about the introduction, I will preach for two hours and not even get to any other point. So bear with me as I read it. And I normally don't read stuff here, but trust me, you want me to read it because it will save us all some time, okay? But I hope that it's informative and I can be a good reader and make it exciting. But I now want to give you... The introduction to catch up, everybody here, even if you're a new visitor or you're new to the Bible or you've been reading the Bible for 20 years, I want everybody to get caught up on the same page of why there is spiritual warfare. So let's start with a brief history of all creation, both in the heavens and in the universe, to learn how God created beings, how all created beings have their... Part in the battle of the ages, so you have your part in the battle of the angels, and so do uh, in the ages, and so do angels. Uh, before God created mankind, we are told in the Bible that God existed with the angels. At some point, Lucifer, A.K.A. Satan, a high-ranking angel, most likely in charge of worship, allowed pride to enter his heart, and he was cast out of heaven. At this time, he deceived a third of heaven's innumerable angels to follow him. The next time we see Satan is in the Garden of Eden. Okay, he is there possessing a serpent to lie and tempt Eve to disobey God. Unfortunately, his plan worked, and both Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. At this point, the rulership, this is very important to get, at this point, the rulership of creation, which was given to Adam and Eve by God, was lost to Satan because mankind had disobeyed God. Satan, along with his fallen angels, a.k.a. demons, then began to tempt all the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve to bring forth evil upon the earth. How many are tracking with this? right in the beginning God created angels in heaven one of those angels fell took angels with him then he created mankind God did and then Satan comes to tempt us then when we uh because we were created to have dominion over the earth and when we fell into Satan's temptation he took authority from us he took dominion from us Now eventually, Jesus came in the form of a man to be the second Adam. And I have all the scriptures for your reference so that he might fully defeat Satan and, watch, restore the authority of God's creation back to mankind. For the glory of God the Father. Now remember this the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, never stopped being ultimately in charge of humanity and creation. However, according to the Father's justice, Satan rightfully had taken authority away from mankind. So God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, never became not the God of the universe. No, it was just when we gave our authority to Satan, he now had authority to bring forth evil and wickedness to the earth. That is why Jesus had to in the form of a man. He had to redeem as a man what men had lost. That's why humanity is very important. That's why Jesus was born of a virgin, and not born as a fight or the dog. The reason why he came in the form of a man is because man who was, was the one that was given authority, and man was the one who lost it, okay? Is everybody tracking? Okay, let's keep going. That is why when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, if you remember when he tempted Jesus, he was able to say he could give all of earth's kingdoms to Jesus if he would worship him. Do you remember that? He said, Satan said to Jesus, I will give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. Satan was not lying, he had that authority over the earth. Jesus, God the Son in the flesh, though, refused to commit treason against God the Father as A- Adam and Eve did. Thus, he willingly paid the highest price for man- cro- uh, mankind's sin upon the cross and became the eternal King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, Jesus literally sits on the throne of David, and he will one—he is there in heaven and will one day upon earth. Though mankind falling into sin was not God's desire, he did allow it to happen because people are like, if God knew this was going to happen, why did he allow it to happen? Well, the reason is is because God only had really two choices, create robots and never have love. So if God would have created a robot, there would have been no evil, but there never would have been love because love by definition is a choice, right? So then that's one option, and he didn't want robots. He wanted us in his image with free volition, free will. Therefore, now evil is an option. And so, th- since he knew with taking that risk, we could choose evil, he said, I'll still do it. There'll be a lot of evil here, but I'll come and die for them. That's why he, the Bible says he's the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So there's never a thing that God doesn't know, and there's never a thing that God has to learn. He's all-knowing. But God does allow human history to play out in actual time so that we may maintain free will. It's a choice. Somebody say it's a choice. Okay, so though mankind falling into sin was not God's desire, he did allow it to happen to maintain mankind's free will, but he always had a plan for Jesus to come and save us. Therefore, after Jesus, the eternal word, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, was crucified, watch this, he broke the curse of sin off of mankind by satisfying God the Father's righteous law and defeated Satan. Two things happened on the cross. He fulfilled the righteous law of the Father. He became the sacrifice because of all of man's sins. That's how a pardon, a forgiveness can be given. There had to be blood. And also there, he defeated Satan. That's why in Matthew 28, after he rises, he goes, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And how was it given to him? It was given to him because he became a man, a man, God in the flesh. Jesus Christ, the God man, became the ruler of all the earth. Hello, somebody. Isn't that awesome? The resurrection and ascension of Jesus proved to the world that Jesus had, in fact, become the ruler of the universe by being the lamb slain the lamp slain for the sins of mankind. So anybody could say this, like, like Luke Skywalker, I'm the ruler of the universe. Somebody else, Thor, I'm the ruler. How do we know Jesus actually did what the Bible says he did? He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. Muhammad, still dead. Buddha, still dead. Hello, somebody. Jesus rose from the dead, was attested to by his followers and men. Anymore and ascended to heaven. That is the proof that what he said is what was true. That's what happened. Now, keep going. Sadly, today, right now, everyone is still born into sin and is by nature under the curse of Satan because of Adam and Eve's rebellion. So at the time of the cross, Jesus could have said, I've broken the curse. I have now fulfilled the law and set men free from Satan's power. What he could have did is ended human history and now brought the new earth, the new reign of God, the kingdom of God to earth at that time. No one would ever be born a sinner. Heaven and hell would be decided at that moment. But he has allowed human history to go forth. This is the 2,000 years after Christ's death. Why? Because he wants us to go into all the nations and make disciples. And now today, 2,000 years after Christ's death, we have billions of people who love Jesus and will be in the new kingdom, as opposed to at that time there would have only been a few million Is everybody tracking with me? He's allowed human history to take place so that he can save more. But by allowing people to still be born, to still be be born, they have to come from Adam and Eve's lineage. We're all ancestors of Adam and Eve. That means our bodies are still born cursed, sentenced to death. And that's why there's death in our body through sickness and natural diseases upon this earth until he comes back and makes it final. But this moment of in between, between the cross and his judgment is a time of gospel, the time of building the church. That's why you're here today, amen? Adam and Eve's rebellion because Jesus sacrificed everyone who has faith in him, repents of their sins, and proclaims Jesus as Lord can be born again. You're born a sinner because of Adam and Eve. You can be born again because of Jesus. That's the start to being on the winning side. Get born again because of Jesus. Now, everyone who is born again becomes a son or daughter of God the Father and now shares, listen to this exciting part, shares in the inheritance of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit within them and a guarantee of God's promises to come. So we don't just have religion. We have a relationship with Jesus. How do we know that? By the Holy Spirit. How many of you have felt the Holy Spirit? How many of you have felt God touch you on the inside? Well, that's a deposit. That's a deposit. Literally, the Bible calls it a deposit for you to know God is real, the gospel is real, and that you're not just doing a self-help program. God is literally transforming your life, preparing you for the kingdom to come. That's why he said no one can see the kingdom of God in John 3, 3 unless they are born again. Nicodemus said, well, how is somebody born again? Do they go up into their mother's womb again? No. He said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We get from Adam, Adam's flesh. But he said that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We get from the Holy Spirit spirit a new spirit amen it's unfair i got adam and eve's cursed flesh and it's also unfair i've got jesus's new spirit amen so both sides it was unfair but you know what i got what they deserved by getting a sinful body and i got what he earned by getting a new spirit so praise god i didn't deserve either one of them i didn't deserve the punishment and i didn't deserve the grace so it acts itself out choose jesus today amen Everyone, if you just think about that, that's amazing. Anyways, everyone who is born again becomes a son or daughter. They share in this, and and the Holy Spirit is that deposit, that guarantee. After salvation, how many saved people I got here today? About five of you? Come on, somebody say amen. 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 After salvation, like a roaring lion, the devil still tries to tempt and defeat the disciple while they dwell upon the earth. But our victory is secure in Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. At that same time, when our victory is secure in Jesus, at the same time, we must stand until he comes when Satan, once and for all, will be defeated and cast into the lake of fire at the returning of Christ. Now, in conclusion, those who are not saved are already condemned by their sin, being ruled by Satan's false spiritual agenda, and are sentenced to perish under God's just wrath. Everybody just look up at me, please. Really simple. If a person is not born again, they're already defeated. They're not in a battle against the devil. They're in a battle actually against God because they're an enemy of God. They're a sinner justly deserving hell. You'll learn about that. But there is no battle for them except to come to Christ and now fight the devil because they've already been defeated. Does everybody get that? Sinners are already defeated. They've already lost, okay? But those of us who have been born again, or or therefore the sinner's only hope for victory is to trust Jesus for the rebirth, or be punished with the traitor of heaven, and be found guilty of high treason against their creator, being sentenced to suffer the same fate as Satan. Those who have been born again, how many have been born again? Amen. Amen. Must remain faithful to the end, fight the good fight of faith, and finish the race. Now, are you ready to wage war against Satan and your flesh? Amen. Are you ready to wage war against Satan and his evil spirits and against the flesh that has been cursed, handed down from Adam and Eve? That is spiritual warfare in a nutshell. That is what we're here to learn to do. We must be strong in the power of the Lord and in his might. And we are to put on that full armor and get ready not to wrestle against flesh and blood, but to get to ready to re- wrestle against all of the principalities and rulers and authorities of the devil's side. Now watch this here. When you look at the armies that are presented, of course, you have God's side and you have the devil's side. Now I want you guys to get some things clear. When we look at Jesus' side, we look at Jesus alone is the victor. And there's no longer this kind of like arm wrestling between him and the devil. As a matter of fact, that was never a problem. When the devil had pride, he was instantly kicked out of heaven. He fell like lightning, the Bible said. When he came to this earth, the problem started with us and humanity. But when Jesus became a man and defeated the devil, now all those in Jesus get the same victory that Jesus purchased. That's why the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. Why are we more than conquerors? What is more than a conqueror? That means someone who gets the spoils of what the conqueror did. I am more than a conqueror because Jesus conquered and gave me the spoils. The Bible says in Psalms 23, He places me, places a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Listen to that. He sets before me a table in the presence of my enemies. God has fought the battle for me, and it says, rest and stand in me. Stand in the victory. Do you get that? Your victory is in Jesus. The battle has already been won. Jesus is the high king of heaven there is no more that he needs to do to secure his victory when he comes back what he will do for humanity is rid the devil from the earth but right now he is the high king of heaven in Jesus name demons have to flee in Jesus name there is ultimate power now here's where we get to some of these creatures that I want you to see that are in heaven okay now as we start to talk about some of these creatures like we're going to talk about the seraphim and the cherubim and archangels I want you to get this right here a lot of us have been taught to think that the things of the Bible, the things of the Bible are almost like make-believe because it's not in line with what we see every day. And so, since it's not a part of our normal life, we think that this is abnormal and this is weird. As you begin to learn about a seraphim that has six wings and eyes all over their wings, and one has a face like an ox and one like a like an eagle, the Bible says, you may start to think to yourself, Pastor, how can I even believe this? But I want you to think about what you consider to be normal. You and I both consider it to be normal that a seed and an egg gets together in a mother's womb and produces life. You see, that's normal because you're used to it. But imagine if you have never seen reproduction. That would be an astounding thing to you. Have you ever stopped and just thought about human life and how it's formed in the womb? And that every pregnant person here today has inside of them a little person. And that person will come out to be just like you and I. See, that miracle of birth has become almost like a normal, uninsignificant thing where in actuality, that is a miracle every time it happens that the body is formed within the mother's womb. But it doesn't stop there. You know what else you think is normal? Is that when that baby comes out of that womb, that baby will have a conscious mind. Now, If you've ever looked at brains, brains are just a clump of flesh. How does a brain have a mind? This is an enormous mystery. And let me tell you, those of you who are in college, because we have college students here, if you've ever taken a biology class or a psychology class, and that professor has ignorantly said they understand consciousness, you are talking to a fool. Because the greatest authors, the greatest scientists of our time who write their textbooks claim we do not have a clue of what consciousness is. We understand certain parts of brain development. They understand brain and motor skills and memory skills. But even then, every time we think we know something about the brain and science, it it continues to be proven wrong. At one time, they thought the brain was a steady state and that once a stroke victim had an accident or became ill or once brain damage happened, the brain can never be repaired. That was the way they thought 30, 40, 50 years ago. Now they understand just recently that the brain is elastic and it's able to be molded and shaped and that cognitive skills can be redirected and rewired in the brain's neurology. They're beginning to understand even that is a mystery to them, how the brain rewires itself. But just think about this. You're thinking right now to yourself. Your brain is an organ organ just like what a dog has. There's no real reason why a dog shouldn't be able to talk and think and contemplate when you look at the actual substance of its brain. But yet inside of your brain, inside of what we would call Play-Doh or flesh, you have a spirit that's able to think to yourself, that's able to have thoughts and emotions more than just reactions and instinct. Now, let me ask you something. If God could create a baby in a womb to then come out and have a spirit that talks to itself, you don't think God could create a 6 winged creature and make that a spirit? You see the pride of humanity? We now think we're so smarter than God. Oh, oh I won't believe there's a seraphim, a six-winged creature, unless I go up and shake one of his wing wings. I want to shake one of his wings. Hello, seraphim. Nice to meet you. But hold on. You, you have a conscious mind, and you don't even know where that comes from. You came from your mother's womb, and you can't even explain. Scientists cannot even explain why. The body and DNA functions the way it is. All when they look at it, DNA is a code. But they have no idea why the code works and where the code comes from. They're just saying there's a code. Now here's another thing just to kind of pop our 21st century pride. Because we're not so easily uh, willing to believe these things. But we should. We should if someone trustworthy says they've been there and has met these people or, or knows them. And we know Jesus wouldn't lie to us. Now, Another thing, imagine this. Imagine that I, I, I find a time machine and I go into it and, and I come back into the Roman Empire and it's 200 BC. 200 BC in the Roman Empire. They're walking around in togas like the Greek people and all that stuff And because the Romans conquered the Greeks and, and, and they're doing these old classical things you would see, you know, and the soldiers are walking around. Now imagine this thing had run out of battery power, okay? This thing had run out of battery power. And I go and I talk to them and I go, listen to me, this device right here holds 3,000 books, they would look at me like I was stupid because they would take me to a library and they would point to 3,000 books and they would say, it is impossible, listen to this, they would say, it's impossible to put 3,000 books in here. And I do have 3,000 books on my Bible program right in here, Logos, 3,000 books. They would say, it's impossible. And then I would say, it it not only does that, it has a 1,000 songs of music with all the instruments you could imagine. And then what would they do? They would take me over to an instrument, and they would say, there is no way you can put a guitar into this thing. There is no way that that thing is going to play the noise of the guitar, let alone songs, compositions, lyrics and singers you can't even fit a guitar in there let alone a person hello and then if I said oh it does more than that this thing right here will let me communicate with somebody around the world and right here right here will appear their face and then my face will appear on theirs and we will be on the other side of the globe they'll say arrest this man put him in jail let would say this man is a sorcerer. He's crazy. He's an idiot. Now imagine this. I, I don't have any charging device. There's no other person there. There's no network. I could never prove it. Now, now imagine God communicating with mankind about things of heaven. And prophets are coming back and going, there's angels. There's, there's thrones. There's these things. And we're going, no, 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 that could never happen because books look like this and thrones look like this and things look like this. And, God, and, and the prophets go, no, 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 but this is what heaven is like. I've seen what heaven is like. And that's where we have to humble ourselves and say, if man can blow man's mind with technology just separated by a few thousand years, how much more do you think our creator could blow our minds, literally blow our minds with what he can create? So let's learn about some seraphim. Are you all ready to learn about some seraphim? So now don't be so skeptical, right? You, you came in with some questions. You, you, you do want to think through this, but now you should be open to the idea. I hope that you are. They're heavenly creatures with six wings, ones that uh, and, and they are six wings, they, excuse me, heavenly creatures with six wings and one face that fly around the throne of God. We know of four of them. One has the face of a lion, another of an ox. The third has the face of a man, and another like an eagle. They have two wings that cover their face, two wings that cover their feet. The other two they fly with, and their wings are covered with eyes. Our DNA code tells us to put two eyes here. How, do we, how can we tell God that he couldn't make a six-winged creature that has eyes all over its wings? Do you understand? This, 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 this is pride for us to say back to God you couldn't do that. There are six-winged insects. Why couldn't there be six-winged creatures in heaven? We, we can now watch this. We can use our technology and create the image of a talking lion, a talking bear, a talking dog. We can do that with our own mind and technology. Are we saying that God couldn't put a spirit inside of a lion that has six wings and flies? Hello, somebody. God created us. God could create a creature that has a spirit and talks and is conscious and has six wings and eyes all over because the designer, is greater than us in our technology and greater than our imagination. He created the entire known universe. Do not think to yourself that you are silly for believing in things you have not yet seen. Trust who God is and that he would not tell you wrong. The next thing that we see is the cherubim. Matter of fact, the seraphim and cherubim are the only two that have wings. As you're about ready to learn about archangels and angels, they actually don't have wings. We'll talk about that later. But the cherubim are heavenly creatures that have wings and sometimes have multiple faces. Now, we may say once again, well, I never see a winged creature with multiple faces. Yeah, but have you ever been watching Discovery Channel and they find something in the ocean? You're like, wow, I never knew that thing existed. Why do we think we have to know everything for it to be true? We don't. We don't have to know everything for it to be true. You don't know what you don't know. Humble yourself. So these creatures have multiple faces. We've seen, as the DNA code changes a little bit in Siamese twins, that one body can have two heads or be attached Why couldn't he put four faces and four heads on one creature? You see, do you know where spirits come from? Do you know where conscious mind comes from? Do you know where life comes from? See, these are the mysteries of God. And as we have gotten to be more scientific, sadly, we've become more prideful. Instead of like the early scientists like Francis Bacon and, uh, uh, you know, Pascal and, and, uh, you know, Isaac Newton. Instead of humbling ourselves saying everything we discover points us back to God, we think more we discover, the more we can disprove God. And yet, we don't even understand ourselves. The very person thinking to try to disprove God doesn't even know why they're thinking. Now, let's look at the archangels. How many think the archangels are pretty cool? Now, we see in the Bible that there's two archangels. Now, here's some theories. Now, when I give you a theory, I'll tell it to you as a theory. I won't preach it as the Bible. One of the theories is is that because God created mankind in three persons, male, female, and offspring, is that God also created the archangels in three persons, Lucifer, Michael and Gabriel, and Lucifer was in charge of worship, Michael in charge of warfare, Gabriel in charge of messaging, and Lucifer rebelled, so now there's two left. You also see one time in Genesis chapter 18, when God appears to Abraham, he comes with two angels with him, that could be Gabriel and Michael. Those are all theories, we don't know for sure, but what we do know is that these archangels, these chief angels appear throughout the Bible, they appear to Mary, they appear appear to Jesus they appear to Daniel and they have assignments and they look just like us they look just like man because here's the mystery of why God made us different than them they don't have a physical body. They don't have one but they appear as a man. We were created with a physical body and so what this must teach us is that it was God's apex of his design after making them to make us because not only do we have the form of a man with arms and legs and a face, one face and ears and all of this but we also have a fleshly body and that is why the resurrection is important at the end and why Jesus resurrected is because he defeated death and we were meant to live forever with our bodies. So there is something very special about that and Jesus took on a body and so forever in heaven and all on the earth you'll be able to see his body and touch him even as he did with Doubting Thomas. He said, touch me. I'm not just a spirit. You can touch me, right? And we'll see that the God-man was most pleased out of all of his creation mankind. And that's where the Bible says he he looks at mankind and and the Bible says what is man that he's so mindful of him, you know? But we were made in the image of God. Now if you want to see a cool little story with uh, Daniel and Michael showing up. Let me just turn there quickly. Go to Daniel ten thirteen. You can see how they show up and just start talking to them. Now, once again, now once again, if you have to, if you have to see everything to believe it, then you can't even believe there's a country you haven't been to. When you say I have to see it to believe it, then what you're saying is you can't believe there was Abraham Lincoln because nobody can show you him now. Hello. There are other ways of learning information other than just saying seeing is believing. There is personal testimony. Personal testimony is just as good as any other thing. Let me give you an example. Yesterday, when I laid in bed, I prayed for this service today. Yesterday, when I laid in bed, I prayed for this service today. That's a fact. That happened. But I was by myself. Nobody was there. Could you ever prove that I did that? You couldn't. You would only have to take my word. It's just a simple little thing. I just, I, I tell you, I prayed yesterday in my bedroom. There is now no way to see if that is true. But it is true because I'm telling you it's true. Now think of the same thing with the Bible and prophets. Should we believe Daniel? Yes. He said it was true, and what he said did come true. Daniel received not only visions and revelation about what would happen to the people of Israel at probably the most significant time in their history while they were in the Babylonian captivity, but the entire book of Revelation quotes more from Daniel than any other book because Daniel was given a taste and a picture of the entire end of the world, and we're seeing it fulfilled right now. And I wish I had time to get into end times, but that would be another discuss- subject. But Daniel was praying; he is seeking God, and then go up. Let's go up a few verses here, and then what happens is his uh, an angel comes to him, and begins to talk to him. Then I look, look right here. He said, uh, "Then I heard. Uh, no, let's go to verse eight. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My faith." My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. This is an angel speaking to him. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep and my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are very highly esteemed, consider the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. See, this angel was sent to him. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. So David uh, Daniel's just trembling, he's afraid. there's an angel. This angel is more than likely his what we would call guardian angel or an angel sent to watch over him. And we'll learn about those as, as they go as time goes on. Since the day you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to you. So the angel came to respond to Daniel's prayers. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. This is the only time in the entire Bible where you see angels warring, warring without Jesus personally being present. In the book of Revelation, you see the angels warring, but Jesus is present. This is the only time we don't hear about Jesus, and that's because Daniel, in these visions, is going to start to understand that jesus is the creator the son of man who the angels worship you got to follow the train of thought here but this is a beginning revelation to help daniel what's at, well daniel's actually been given part of that already but this whole idea is to help daniel understand who god is what's going to happen to the people so michael comes and rescues them now verse 14 now i have come to you to explain what will happen to your people in the future for the vision for the, for the vision concerns a time yet to come everybody say cool Okay, now I don't have time to get into all the details of that, but basically what you're seeing here is that an archangel is sent on behalf of Jesus to come and set free this other angel to come talk to Daniel. Daniel has an angel helping him out. An archangel had to come and set that angel free. Now, uh, the battle for that angel. And then you see another part where Gabriel comes to him. Gabriel's also the angel that comes to Mary. Also to uh, the mother of John the Baptist. Zachariah, rather, to the father of John the Baptist. And so, we see that no other ones are named. These are the main archangels of the Bible. And so, this is what we would call the good guys. Does everybody get that? The good guys. Okay. Now, when we look to the bad guys, knowing the enemy, we see Satan. Now, once again, who is Satan. Satan is that fallen angel. He is a spirit. He is not God. He cannot be in all places at one time. He cannot be all powerful. He's only given a certain range of of power that he can exert and God ultimately uses him for his glory. God allowed him to be in the garden to tempt us so that man would have a choice. He is allowing Satan here to tempt men again so that they will have a choice. Remember, if God if Jesus wanted to end it at the resurrection, resurrection Satan would have been thrown to the lake of fire and new bodies would have come and we would have ruled and reigned with Christ but because the Adam and Eve sons and daughters are still coming through the the lineage the race of man is still coming uh, Satan is still here tempting them but God uses that to bring us back to him so what did I say before in times past whenever you experience a bad day you understand that's what Christ died for whenever you hear of molestation rape murder what's, what's that that's evil that shows you why Christ had to die whenever you experience a good day excitement Joy, love—you understand that's what cr- God created you for. And right now, you are in a world of good and evil, good and evil, and you get to make the choice. Do you want more of what Christ has? Do you want more of what Christ does, or do you want evil? And ultimately, those who choose evil get what ha- get what Satan gets, which is the lake of fire, separation from God. If you don't want to be in the kingdom of God, you don't have to be. The only other the only problem is the only other option is is the lake of fire. So that's who Satan is. Okay. Now, the rulers and these four things, going back to Ephesians, are these rankings that were given that Satan occupies. So, their struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil. And where? In heavenly realms, okay? Now, we are just going to look at this as Paul teaching us a simple way of understanding the rank of God hell's army so there's rulers and these could be possibly like the prince of persia in daniel 10 13 and i'm sorry if i didn't explain that to you when he says that when it says that michael came and fought the prince of persia what it's saying is that's a demonic prince that was a prince in heavenly realms the angel could not get through until michael came and defeated that prince then the angel got through that's the story now once again do you want to believe that you can say well that's crazy i don't want to believe it. well what are you going to believe you see, you have to make a choice at some point. See, I'm going to believe the prophets of the Bible. I'm going to believe Jesus, and I have other reasons for that, but I hope that you have heard uh, other sermons and believe, uh, have good reason to believe them as well. Now, uh, authorities are either just another ranking underneath that or the same word for rulers because some commentators think, uh, well, ruler and authority may be the same thing. I like to think they're a separate thing. So you're just simply looking at, maybe looking at Daniel and saying, okay, The prince is over Persia. The the authority is over Persia, uh, that nation. And then the rulers, uh, excuse me, the authorities, the prince of Persia is the ruler. And then the authorities may be like the little mayors, the little demon mayors. You guys get what I'm saying? And then the next one are powers. Now, here's something interesting about powers is that it says the powers are powers in this dark world, and this is where I begin to think that these powers actually possess people. Now, there's two kinds of demon possession in the Bible. There's the one that makes people, like, act crazy. They, they become naked. They're, they're throwing themselves in the fire. You see these things. Then there's also a possession that happens with the Antichrist where he's a, rural, a world ruler able to function But yet he's possessed. And so what I began to do is I, uh, what I began to come up with as I researched this is that I began to think to myself, what if Hitler was possessed by one of these demonic powers? He let Hitler remain for the most part in his right mind, but he so influenced him, so spoke to him that he created the genocidal uh, thoughts in his head. And that's what you're really going to start to understand as we get more into this is that spirits, listen, spirits speak spiritually. And what is the language of spirits, thoughts? What is the language your spirit talks? Or what is the means in which your spirit communicates? Through thoughts. How does God communicate through the Holy Spirit? Through thoughts. That's why the Bible says no one knows the mind of Christ except the Holy Spirit. The Spirit knows the mind of Christ and reveals it to you. So how do demons affect people? Through thoughts. So now, as we look through the Bible, there can be full-on control. Uh, I mean full on possession that really just makes their life miserable or there may be powers in the dark world that really influence the thoughts of people attach themselves to these people and help make them the evil person that they are now that's what I personally believe you can look through the Bible and see how you come down on that but that's how I look at and then lastly the forces are like these demon foot soldiers who go around and possess and afflict people and there I I think a summary of how you could see of all of Satan's Army. So if you put it all together, you have Jesus, the conquering king of heaven, who defeated death, hell, and the grave, right? And now you see the devil, his time is short, working with all of his rulers and authorities and powers and forces to afflict mankind. And what is the devil doing? He is here to steal, kill, and destroy. Did I go to John 1010 yet? Have I done that? Okay, let's go to John 1010 and see it. Look at the scripture. What is all of the devil's kingdom about? What is their marching orders? What is their vision? The thief comes only to what? Steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Okay, now watch. Watch this because this is where you got to wake up to this and get real. Have you been influenced by the devil? When you were a sinner, can you look back on your life and go, Man, I probably didn't think of that myself. Now, remember what I said. Nobody can say the devil made me do it because the way God set up creation, the rules that the universe have to play by, is man is an autonomous being. Even the demon-possessed man has that by a choice, by allowing it to be there. Hello? So I'm not saying that we shouldn't arrest people or punish people and Say, oh, because they say the devil made me do it. But no, look at how the Bible describes what the devil does. He comes and he influences with thoughts. He came to uh, Adam and Eve and he influenced them. He came to Jesus and tried to influence them. And if you look throughout the Bible, 1 John says, here is the summary of all the devil's temptations. Here they are, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He tempted uh, Adam and Eve, that's Way He tempted Jesus that same way, and that is every form of temptation. He'll come against us. He'll have us lust after power, lust after sexual things. Now, let me give you some examples. Let's say the married man. He's here in this church. He's married. He's happily married. He loves his kids. A demon will try to plant a thought in his mind that he is not sexually satisfied until he has an affair with that co-worker or that old friend from high school. And that spirit will keep attacking that person. Now, if they are not a Christian, they will receive that thought as a desire, claim it as their own, and act on it. But the one who knows how to make war and spiritually fights will know that that thought is a foreign thought, and they will take the thought captive and cast it out. Hello. You see, they will make war against that thought. Now there may be people here that have same-sex desires, and it may be a part of your physical flesh desire. But the devil will come to you, and he will tempt you with that, and say, "That's who you are," and he will make you feel depressed unless you act on your homosexual, or lesbian lifestyle, or like uh, you know, Chris, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, unless he gets a sex change. And that devil will lie to him, steal from him, kill him, destroy him. Hello, somebody the same thing with gangs and violence. It's just the difference of a color, the difference of a neighbor. They're not freedom fighting. They're not fighting to put bread on their table. They're fighting because the devil has lied to them through their music, through their environment, and said, this is what you should do. And they're murdering each other. And the devil sits back and just looks at them like puppets and laughs. Hello? The same thing with the greedy person. The same thing with the, the one that's lying. The devil is sitting back, throwing out his darts, throwing out his thoughts, and the, per, the people, us, the, the people in the middle here, we are the ones deciding whether or not we'll side with Jesus or we'll side with Satan. You see, so what you're going to really learn is that spiritual warfare is a battle of the mind. And then it's, a, it's, it's bringing forth Christ's authority to people who have already lost the battle. So you've got to win the battle personally, be born again, guard your heart and mind, and then you go and you preach truth to the world around you, set demon-possessed people free, and then help open the eyes of those who are blind by the devil and who have been deceived by him. Can I show that to you real quick? Okay, just go to Ephesians chapter 2, and you'll just see another summary. Remember the book of Ephesians is that spiritual warfare passage that we read. Now look at it here, Ephesians 2, verses 1 and onward. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. The battle was already over. You're, you're not even, the non-Christian is not fighting. Does everybody get that point? They are dead. They are defeated. They are carnage on the battlefield. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, sins, in which you used to live when you, see now look, it said you were dead, but you used to live, because there's a different sense of dead and alive there. You were dead spiritually even though your body was moving alive like this. Do you get that? Don't think I'm making stuff up. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to See, is that a contradiction? No, there's two senses of life. There's the one earthly life, and then there is a spiritual life. You had physical life, but you had no spiritual life. That's what a sinner is. Everybody with me? In which you used to live when you followed the way of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So all non-Christians are not demon possessed but all non-christians are influenced by the spirit of satan the traitor of heaven they are influenced by the spirit of rebellion now this is true even in our children even in our children now this is where you got to start to understand how man is born in sin when we are born in sin your radio station is off okay now you those of you used to have radios and tuners anybody remember that Okay, so a radio tuner is a dial that you guys would move, okay, and it would go into a radio station. Everybody is born with their radio station off of heaven's frequency. Now, the Bible says that God is merciful to children, so if they die before they're accountable for their own conscious sin, he brings them to heaven out of his mercy, right? But children can even demonstrate to us that they have their dial turned wrong. Think about this. When I was with, I went to New Orleans. I was there for a few days. We drove 14 hours there and then 14 hours back. My daughter got to a point, my one-year-old daughter got to a point, she was so uncomfortable, she was screaming and rocking back and forth in her chair. If she had the strength of a grown man with the mentality that she had, she would have beat up mom and dad and took over the car because that is how intense she was towards that situation. But God gives children a mercy that they grow up in their conscience as their physical ability grows up. And that's why if you're dealing with someone that's handicapped and the brain is not functioning right, they have to restrain them. Otherwise, they'll hurt others. Hello. That's why when people have dementia, they'll hurt others. Now watch this. My daughter knows certain communication. And when I say to her, don't go into the living room, she will start to walk right to the edge of the living room and then turn and look at me. And then look at the living room, and I'll say, Don't you go in there, don't you go in there. And then she'll look at me and make a decision, and then you can just see the boldness of her rebellion. Her radio station to the spirit of this air will say, I'm going to go right there into the living room. Right there. Now, we have to be merciful to our children, and one of the ways we're merciful to them is to discipline them. And the Bible says train them up in the ways of God so that when they're old, they don't depart. And so what are we doing? Even psychologists will tell you this. We are framing their conscience. We are framing them and how they see good versus evil. That's why some of the people that have the worst records of crime and, and the hideous sins of life didn't have a biblical upbringing because they were already off in their radio station and all the devil had to do was just click it a few more directions and now they were sadistic. Now they're murdering people. You know, You can see that the family and how a child becomes is so significant. And that's why many of you were brought up, uh, you know, you had so much hurt and pain in your life, is because you were not receiving the right training. Now watch, we become a Christian, and now we, we get into the radio station of heaven, we start hearing the Holy Spirit. We start hearing the Holy Spirit tell us that, to be honest, to not lie, to not look at pornography. How may have felt the Holy Spirit convict you? And he's speaking to you. But guess what the devil does now? Now what the devil does is try to get you to tune back into him. And so, let's say your radio station, personally, your radio receiver. I'm going to make it simple, and I'm going to change the example around a little bit. So follow me, just so we can all get it. But radio receivers have to have a certain frequency to catch those things. Okay, that's why there's those like CB radios, and you know we have a trucker in the back. They're a little bit different than the uh, the normal FM AM. But watch this as an example. Let's say your radio station is 95 FM, 95 FN. And so, when you talk to yourself, the reason why you can hear yourself is because you're you're tuned into ninety five FM. God does not give you ninety six FM, so you're hearing your friend's thoughts. We've seen movies where you can hear other people's thoughts, right? You hear your own thoughts, but then guess what? The devil can send a radio signal to ninety six uh, to ninety five FM. He can speak to your spirit. You can resist him, but he can speak. So can the Holy Spirit. And that's what you're going to learn is a lot of the battle is, Lord, is that you speaking, is it me speaking, or is it the devil? Where is that frequency coming from? Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, thank you for paying attention. Now, watch this. Here is the battlefield. Now, we got to know the battle. So here we go. we got the history. We understand the Lord's side. We understand the devil's side. Now let's know the battlefield. And here's where we're going to get very specific. Unbelievers are not battling Satan. And I know you might have felt that way. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm battling Satan. And, And in one sense, you feel it because you know there's something wrong. But in the biblical sense, you know who you're an enemy with? Jesus. Because you're actually on the devil's side. And all that you're really feeling is how he treats his own. So, when you say this devil is messing with me, what you're realizing is the devil can't treat you better than what he treats himself. And see, the devil is destructive, the devil is the fullness of evil. And so, when you are living for the devil and you say, I don't feel good, that's why, because the devil can't give you good. The devil can't, he may give you a temporary pleasure of a feeling. The Bible says the pleasures of sin last for a moment, but the end is of death. It's like eating that apple that tastes good, but it has poison, right? Like you see in those movies with the witch. And, and the idea is that's exactly how the devil is. He gives you these temporary pleasures to keep luring you. Oh, here's some money. Here's illicit sex. Here's education. Here's power. Here's whatever. And he says, come and get it. But as you come and get it, you want more, and it doesn't satisfy what you have. And then you long for more, and you become more unrestful in your soul. And you begin to think, well, if, I'm at, if, I, if, if I have a job and I make 50000 I don't feel right, well, why not make seventy thousand? Why not make eighty thousand? If I've had sex with one girl as a teenager at sixteen, and I still don't feel fulfilled sexually, why not have se- sex with five girls and ten girls? And then you meet all these people out there having sex, right? Because it never fulfills because he can't pay back. He can't pay on what he uh, he can't deliver on what you're paying for. You're trying to pay with your life for happiness, and he can't give it to you. Can I hear an amen? That's so true. Get that in your mind. So, who are the unbeliever really fighting against? Jesus. Because they're already on the devil's side. They've already been defeated. Now look at what the Bible says in case you don't believe me. So want, anybody want to read the Bible? Anybody want to read it? Come on, say read that Bible, pastor. Yeah. All right, James 4.4, you adulterers. That means you're cheating on him. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you in enemy of God. I say it again. Okay, James, I guess you should repeat it because some of us didn't get it the first time. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. That's the Bible. Go back and read your Bible in case you didn't think I just made it up karaoke screen up there, you know. Jesus said, give Pastor Joe all your money. Just check your Bible every now and then to make sure. You know, go get that one on your coffee top or in your, your room blow off the dust, you know, crack it open and just see. Because that's in in grandma's Bible. That's in your iPhone Bible. That's in any part of the Bible you find. But you want to know the good news about the enemies of God? Is that Jesus loves his enemies. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't even know they're enemies of God. They're actually in their mind thinking they're fighting the devil, but they're actually fighting God and the devil is just pimping them. And what the devil loves to do is like that little bully on the, uh, you know, uh, in the lunch line or whatever. He loves to come and slap you upside the head, move out the way, touch the guy in front of him to make it look like he did it when it was really him. You know what I'm saying? You know that little game I'm talking about, the bully, they do that, and then they laugh? You see, the devil wants to cause all these problems in your life and then say, look, that's what Jesus did. If Jesus really loved you, he wouldn't let that happen. And Jesus is saying, I died on the cross so I could prevent this from happening. I've given you everything that I have. And then mankind in the 21st century is turning us back on God. And we think that we've become smart, but we've really become fools. And so we need to understand that the battle that the unbeliever is facing is against God. Satan doesn't send them to hell. Jesus sends them to hell. Think about that. Jesus sends us to hell. Not the devil, hell is the, uh, like a fire rather, is the punishment for the devil. He will not be enjoying himself there. And so when we are deceived into thinking that God is bad, we are good, we will then get ultimately what we desired, a life without the God of the Bible, an eternity without him. Now, for believers, how many believers do I got in this place today? Amen. Now, our battle is against the devil. That's why when many of you became a Christian, things got r- messed up or worse in some ways, or things didn't go right, even though you knew like things were right on the inside of you. Maybe some people started turning against you. The job you were working at got hard. Well, the reason was is you created a rift now in the system. You at once were going with the flow of darkness. Now you're going against it, and the devil wants to try to discourage you and bring you back with fiery trials. He wants you to say living for Christ isn't worth it. But you should understand this is part of his tricks. Now look at that scripture again for our battles not against flesh and blood but against these things. And those are, the par- those are the spiritual forces of evil. Now this is the thing I want everybody to remember. Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus is not arm wrestling the devil. The battle is between us and the devil, mankind and the devil. He has already defeated the devil. He said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So if we're with him, we always got victory. Whenever we sense that we don't have victory, it's because we're not where we should be with him. Look at 1 Peter. Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, powers, in submission to him. Oh, I'm, I'm fighting some rulers over here. Well, get Jesus on your side because those demonic rulers are under his authority. Well, I'm fighting some powers and some spiritual things. Okay, get Jesus on your side because Jesus has those those jokers under his authority. Amen. Now oftentimes we think to ourselves that this is the battle of good versus evil. That Jesus is somehow arm wrestling the devil even today. No, that's not true. This is what the Bible says it is. We are victorious in Christ and now the battle is really between us living, uh, keeping Jesus' foot on top of the devil's head. It isn't us arm-wrestling the devil. It isn't Jesus arm-wrestling the devil. The serpent has been defeated. Jesus said, I've given you now the power to trample on serpents and scorpions and everything of the enemy. So are you in a spiritual battle today? If you are, come to Jesus Christ and let him defeat the devil. Because here are the things you can know, the victory of Jesus. Remember I told you that's what spiritual warfare is going to be about. It's not going to be about you knowing your guardian angel or messing around with demons all the time. It's going to be you knowing your authority in Jesus. And if you do see a demon, you cast it out in Jesus' name. Amen? Now, if you see somebody that looks like your grandma showing up in your room, cast it out in Jesus' name because all departed souls, listen to me, all departed souls are held in their place. They cannot leave. The Bible says they cannot come. Amen. So if you see grandma coming to say hi to you, cast that thing out because the spirits can take forms of people. The Bible shows that the evil spirits take forms of people at times, and even the devil can appear as an angel of light. So when I lived in New Orleans and I dealt with tarot card readers and those who practice witchcraft and voodoo, and I've met all the different likes, and they would tell me all these things they experienced, I, I, I didn't doubt them. A lot of their stuff, they, they said they saw. They saw this. They saw that. They experienced this. All I could tell them was this, you on the wrong side. Bring all that you saw over here. And watch it go in Jesus' name. Well, I saw an angel look like a fairy come dance around our room while we were on LSD's chanting. Okay, bring that fairy over here, conjure it up, and then when I say, Jesus, let's watch what happens to that little fairy. Are you listening to me? It will scurry in Jesus' name because it is not a fairy. It's pretending to be such so that men will worship these things. The Bible says men will worship these dreams and visions that they're having. These spirits and these demonic spirits are full of pride, and so they enjoy the worship. Demons enjoy worship. Demons enjoy teaching false things and watching people believe them. Do you you want to see that in the Bible? Oh, like none of you. Okay, well, I'm still going to show you in the Bible. Like one of you? Okay, I'll show you teachings of doctrines of demons. Demons have teachings, and just like just, just like, look at this. First Timothy chapter four. Just like how when you were a kid, if you could get one of your friends to believe something stupid, you felt good about it, right? Did you ever play that little game when you were a little kid? Like you would tell somebody, "Oh, like I'm a professional baseball player," and you would lie to them, and it's just, you know, that you, you understand it's a sign of pride. And just like the reason why people lie today, they get something out of it. I, I, just, I can never understand the, what a liar gets out of their lies, but they get something out of it. Even in this church, we'll have people living in sin and yet they'll be lying about just tell us who you are right But, but that's because a form of pride is to believe your own lies and to have people believe the lies well the demons are the same way the holy spirit clearly says that in the latter times which is the times we're living in now some people will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons so when joseph smith the founder of the mormon church says that he saw jesus he saw john the baptist they told him where to find the book of mormon who was showing up to talk to him A demon. And the moment that came to him, he should have tested it according to the word. The Bible says do not believe every spirit. So if you ever have a vision, if you ever have something that comes to you that's in a spiritual nature, you need to test that spirit because that spirit may come from the devil. And the way you test that spirit is by asking it whether or not it confesses Jesus as Lord. This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit, this is 1 John 4, 2, every spirit. Somebody say every spirit. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus Christ is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming and even is now already in the world. Now, for example, sometimes in our church we get excited. People are dancing. And every now and then there will be somebody I don't know very well and they will get a little bit uncontrollable. They will get a little bit hype on their dance. Now, because of certain cultures, I understand they may be feeling the Holy Ghost. But I don't know them and they may be demon possessed. I've seen it both ways. I've been in a church where they were all acting that way and they thought it was the Holy Spirit until they started frothing at the mouth and screaming in violent pain. And then we realized this was a demon possession. And so what we do in those times is we just ask them, confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And if they start convulsing even more, they start getting angry, then we say, come out in the name of Jesus. Because what has happened is, that demon has manifested in this service, and that person needs to be delivered. They willingly let the demon in, but they don't have the authority now for it to go. They have to have the demon cast out. And that's why in Mark chapter 16, the Bible says for us to cast out demons. Now, you can, you can do all the spiritual warfare on you want, but I believe once you become demon-possessed, you need somebody to set you free. But demon-possession, everybody here, is not an accident. Demon-possession is something that you will willingly choose over time through your sin and deception. Now watch this. In my name, they will what? Drive out demons. And you look at the stories of the Bible, Jesus is driving out demons, okay? So, Jesus defeated the devil. Watch this. Having disarmed the powers and authorities. Remember we learned about powers and authorities? Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. There is victory in Jesus' name over every power and authority. Jesus defeated every part of sin, the power of sin, the presence of sin, the penalty of sin. First John 3, 8 says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. All the devil's work can be destroyed in your life, my friend. All those sins that you and I have committed, the power of sin, the presence of sin, the, the penalty, the guilt, and the shame of sin is destroyed by Jesus. There is not one remnant of who I used to be. I am a new, I am, anybody in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The old has been destroyed. You couldn't put it together even if you tried. Those who come to Christ have the victory of Jesus. You may be tempted. Now listen to me. You may be tempted, and and I've dealt with this, so I want to speak to some of my good soldiers here. You may be tempted and think that the temptation itself is a sign of your weakness and defeat. That is just the roars of the lion. Do not give in to him. What he has told me, and I'm sure he's told many of you, is, hey, don't you still like to have sex? Well, I mean, you're married to your wife, but doesn't that girl still look good? You know, that's what the devil will tell me. And And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Well, you see, you're not changed. Because if you were changed, you wouldn't have a desire to want to have sex with another woman. And then he'll try to discredit what God has done in your life. But you have to understand, that's the deception that is the deception. Imagine it like this. Imagine you being clothed in white. You being clothed in absolutely white like a woman's wedding gown. Pure, right? You're pure. You're wearing a white gown. Men wearing a white suit. And the devil says, you're dirty. You're so dirty. You're so dirty. But imagine like you can't look at yourself. All you can do is look forward. You can't can't move your head down. You you could end up believing him when really you're already clean. You are already clothed in righteousness. He is just lying to you. And see, that's where the battle of the mind is. That's where the Bible says you have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why Romans 12 says be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, Be transformed. Don't believe every thought coming to you as a thought that is to be obeyed. Start questioning your thoughts. Where did that thought come from? Start disciplining yourself. How many have had to do that on a diet? Come on. How many have had to say to yourself, I probably don't need a chocolate cake right now. I'm telling myself I need one, but I really don't need one. And then you start arguing with yourself. You see, isn't that, isn't that a funny thing? But that shows you a little bit of the battle against your flesh, just a little bit there. Now look at this. Not only did Jesus defeat the devil, not only did Jesus defeat sin, Jesus defeated sorrow. How many of you have been hurt in life? What others have done to you, what you've done to yourself, regrets, right? We've all felt those things. Isaiah 51:11 says, those the Lord has rescued. How many have been rescued by the Lord? Will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will never be taken from them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Hallelujah. Woo. Come on, somebody. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Paul said rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Your victory is in your praise. You see, once again, the devil's trying to tell you, you're defeated. You know, listen to me. When we were driving from here to New Orleans, oh man, in Chicago, it was so gloomy. What day was it? That was Tuesday. It was like my lights were still on in my backyard. You know, you know, the the, the house lights. It was like two in the afternoon. It was so dark. You guys know I'm talking about those Midwest dark winter days, right? Well, we're driving and it's raining. And literally at three o'clock, three thirty, the car's headlights are coming on as we're driving up. But I'll tell you, we kept driving, we kept pushing. We kept getting through, and then here comes the sun. Oh, you know, all of a sudden you see the sun come out. The sun was there all along. It was just the clouds were blocking the sun. Sometimes you will feel like there is a storm of sorrow all around you, a storm of sorrow, and that you can't see the S-O-N sun, the Son of God. You can't see him. But I'm going to tell you what, start praising God anyhow. Start rejoicing in God anyhow. Start lifting up your praise to heaven, and the blessings of God will come down. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He said nothing can separate you from his love and he said all things that you go through work together for your good that should get you excited church Jesus not only des- defeated sin and sorrow, he defeated sickness. We will all be healed in the next life, but we can also pray in this life to be healed. 1 Peter two twenty four he himself bore our sins in his body on that cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. See, we used to be dead to righteousness and alive to sin. Remember that in Ephesians 2? We were dead to righteousness, alive to sin, but now we are dead to sin and alive for righteousness, and by his wounds, you have been healed. You've been healed right now. Your new body is waiting for you in glory. God's already promised it was done. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I can believe that. Do you believe you raised from the dead? As surely as Jesus raised from the dead, you and I will raise from the dead. Jesus said, Even ask me now, and I can give you a taste, just a little taste of your glorified body. I can show you my supernatural and your natural and bring that body back together. Now think to yourself, you might say, well, I don't know if I believe in healing. I don't know how this computer works right now, but it's got a computer code. It's just got a code in it, and that code makes this computer function. Your body has a code, and guess who makes that code function? God, and guess why I love the power of the Holy Ghost, because when I speak in other tongues, I'm speaking the code of heaven, baby. I'm going directly to the mainframe, getting downloads, rejuvenation in the power of the Holy Spirit to pray for the sick, to receive my healing, and operate in the spiritual gifts of heaven. How many believe in that today? The same God that said, oh, water does this, is the same God that said, now water will do this and let Jesus walk on it. Same God, same water. He just changed the code. And that's why we should always pray for God's best in all that we do. Can I get an amen? Amen. I want you to think about this in closing. Rachel, would you come, please? Though we must rage a war in heavenly realms against the powers of darkness, we do so seated in heavenly places, trusting in the power of God and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Think about that. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says you're going to fight these principalities, these powers and authorities in heavenly places. But in Ephesians chapter two, it says, "But his because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So where does Ephesians chapter six? say the battle is, the battle that we're fighting, in, uh, the spiritual warfare that we're fighting is where? Forces of evil and where? Come on, where is it at? In heavenly realms, but where are you seated? With who? Now you understand Psalms 23, he sets before me a table in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. My friends, yeah, we got a battle ahead. Don't think it's strange when you got to fight. Don't think it's strange when people leave you. Don't think it's strange when you have crazy thoughts running through your head because we all get them. But start to fight in Jesus' name. Fight from that place of victory. That's why when we learn about the armor, that thing that Shields you from the fiery darts, the fiery thoughts, the fiery attacks of the devil. What is that shield of? The shield of what? Faith. See, faith extinguishes the darts of the enemy. That's what spiritual warfare is going to be for most of us. Most of us are not going to be wrestling with the Prince of Chicago like Michael did. I'll teach you how to do that here in just a few moments. But most of us, what we'll be doing is dealing with those forces and powers that every day are trying to influence us, attack us, and come against us and our family. And then what do we guard our mind with? What's that helmet called? The helmet of what? Salvation. Are you saved? Do you know that you're saved? And then those who have read ahead, what is that sword? What is our one thing that we attack with? What is it? The sword of the Spirit is the... The word of God. When Jesus was tempted and he was in spiritual warfare against the devil, what did he say back to the devil every time? It is written. It is written. It is written. It is. Hey, hey, Jesus, come on. Come on, Jesus. I know you're hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. Man, make this bread. Make this bread in some, uh, into some elotes, Make it to uh, some pizza. Make it into a uh, uh, Ibarito. Make this into something good. Make this into a spring roll, whatever you like, some sushi. And what does Jesus say back to him? It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. And it just goes on like that. We're going to learn how to do that. But what I want you to do right now, every head bowed, will you just pray right now with me and be sure of your salvation. If you don't know Jesus, would you confess him as your Lord and Savior today? Repent of your sins. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? We're just going to pray a few moments because I want to show you how to be on the Lord's side, victorious. If you do not have assurance of your salvation today, would you simply ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Ask Jesus, the conquering King of Heaven, who purchased for you your salvation with His blood, to forgive you. Now, for those of you who are saved, and you go, "Yep, I've done that. Jesus is in my heart. Now what we should do, is to see if we have taken any of the bait of Satan, or as the Bible says, allowed him to have a foothold. How the devil gets a foothold in a Christian's life is when they sin, now he can put a hook, a way of leading them into more sin. But when we break off ties with the devil, the, uh, Jesus says the work of the devil is then destroyed out of our life. No remnant there, even though he may still tempt us, He cannot have authority over us. So is there any sins in your life right now you personally just want to confess between you and the Lord and go, God, I don't want to give the devil a foothold. I don't want to have a crack in my armor. I, I want to live for you and all of the devil's work destroyed out of my life, just vanished and gone, washed clean by the blood. Now, this is the same kind of prayer that we would pray any time we sin. So when when I sin, that's what I pray. I'm repenting. What I'm saying is, devil, i messed up, but you don't get authority over me. I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. Let's just search our hearts. Come on. Do you know Jesus? Are you right with God? Is there sin in your heart? You know, some of the popular sins are sex before marriage or perversion like pornography and things like that. Other sins are the sins of, uh, you know, putting other things before God. As you notice, I didn't make any Super Bowl jokes because I could care less who wins. No offense if you like football, but I'm just saying, do you, you know, do you put that before God? Or do you put your job before God? Idolatry. So perversion, idolatry. And then the other thing I see a lot of people deal with that I deal with as well is bitterness, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a sin that you've allowed someone to have a hold on your heart because of what they did. And it's like getting mad at them and drinking the poison yourself. And that's really what it does. So that's why Jesus said, forgive, let go of those things. You're not hurting them, you're only hurting yourself because the Bible says vengeance belongs to the Lord and you should pray that the Lord saves them and changes them. But your bitterness towards them doesn't do anything for justice. So repent if you've been bitter, unforgiving. Just a few more moments. And then I'm going to teach you how to do some spiritual warfare. It's not going to be goofy. It's just going to involve prayer and the Word of God. That's what Paul taught us to do. So a few more moments. We're just repenting. And now those of us who want to do war, who want to make war, pick something in your life that is a temptation right now, something that tries to lure you away, a trap of the enemy, and start right now to speak the Word of God over that issue of your life right now. And you can do it for yourself, and you can do it for people in your life or your family. But just start to do it. I'll pray out loud to help some of you. Satan, you will not bring discouragement in my life, but I will rather stay encouraged by what the Lord is doing in my life. I will not allow finances, attendance, what people say or do to discourage me. Holy Spirit, I ask you to rid me of any discouragement, comparison, distraction, so that I may be always full of faith for this church. Satan, I rebuke you over my life to have me think that sex outside of my marriage will benefit me. I desire purity. I stand my ground in the power of the Lord and proclaim, I will be faithful to my wife till death do us part. Come on. That, that's spiritual warfare. You're doing it. There it is. Do you see any angels? Probably not. Has Gabriel come down yet? Probably not. Michael, is he fighting now? Probably not. But we're doing spiritual warfare. We are battling for our spirits against the lies of the devil. And that's what the Bible taught us to do. You'll learn all about that. Make sure you come this month because literally this was all just the introduction. We're going to learn about the armor and how to pray and some of the things the devil tries to do to, to trick us. We'll go through all of those things. But make sure that you start praying even right now. Now let's stand up. How many do want to wrestle a little bit with the Prince of Chicago if there is such a thing, which I probably believe there is? Let's stand up to our feet. And let's whoop on the devil, right? Because if there was an authority over Persia at that time, there's probably an authority over Chicago, right? So how I would look at it by looking at the Bible and, and, and tying it all together, I believe we should pray against probably the three biggest things we see as issues in our city. Let's pray against the violence of our city and tell the devil to get out of our people's lives and stop deceiving them to fight each other right let's pray against perversion all kinds of perversion going to the club perversion same-sex perversion in boys town whatever let's pray that there'll be purity in our city and then lastly let's pray against corruption sister lily are you tired of seeing corruption in our city you know if it's not one it's another one you know the governor he goes to jail And then all of a sudden, the leader of the school district goes to jail or at least has a problem. Then it's the, the police department. I want each one of my leaders to pray for one of these things. And as they're praying for them, let's pray together because that's when the Bible says we wrestle. Now look about me before we pray, please. In this place is where Daniel was. And then that's when God started showing him visions and stuff. So I would say, don't seek after Gabriel like, Lord, send me Gabriel. Because that's wrong. You're not supposed to do that. But while you're praying and interceding, if God has a message for you, then he'll send it. But it will only happen as you're doing the will of God. As Daniel was just simply praying and fasting for his city, that's when all the Star Wars started happening. Like, That's when all that started happening. I've never seen it. Few people I know say they've seen it. I have no reason to doubt them, but it doesn't matter because I know that we're winning the war and the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? So I'll just make it real simple. I'll just start here with Augustine. Augustine, you pray for the perversion of our city, cast it down in Jesus' name. And remember, the Bible says whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Why? Because he has authority. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. That's, that's authority, right? So we're going to pray those things, okay? And then uh, he'll he'll pray for uh, perversion. You'll pray against corruption. And then I'll have Sister Lily pray against violence.
6: Oh, Jesus, Lord, I just come against all darkness, Lord, and principalities, Lord, of the air in Chicago, Lord. I come against all the violence, Lord, all the divisiveness, Lord, of every race, Lord, and color, Lord. I pray that there will be a unity, Lord, a thirst for righteousness, Lord. I come against all the desire to hurt each and every one of the citizens of Chicago, Lord, with weapons, Lord, with hatred, Lord, of difference of opinion, Lord. I come against all that, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Let loose, Lord, your angels, Lord, to come against the enemy, Lord, so your enemy may scatter in Chicago, Lord. Let your angels, Lord, over overtake them, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord. Let there be no room for violence, Lord, but only a peace of love and joy, Lord. Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus'
5: name. Can I get your attention? Because I want to interject here a little bit. So we prayed this week, uh, this last month rather, in January, for everybody Pick three people in the leadership, uh, elders and deacons, those we hadn't seen the church for a while. I prayed with my wife on the way back, okay, Friday, the entire time. It was almost like three hours because we were taking our time. I prayed for this young man and his mom. And when was the last time I've seen you, Elijah. Gotta be years, two years, and he's here today. I prayed for Age, uh, Aldrin right here, and he is here today. Come on, spiritual warfare works, people. Anybody ever seen the War Room, the movie The War Room? Rent it. The War Room. Another great fictional uh, thing is to read the Screw Tape Letters by C. S. Lewis to help build your faith. There's a real battle, and here's the thing: we may not see every victory won. Remember why? Remember why? Judas even went to hell, and he was one of Jesus' disciples. Why? Judas made a choice. God won't violate people's choices, so we should keep praying for them to be safe, and then they make the choice. And what I think what's happening when we're praying is we're praying for more opportunities for them to change, more light to be given to them. I remember being as I mean, I don't even want to say this with young people here, but I used to do a lot of bad things on drugs. And I remember being gone, right? And I would start feeling conviction. Instead of being like, woo, like all out there, I started feeling conviction. And I remember talking to my mom. And my mom would pray for me in her den. And she would write out prayers for me. I still have them. And, and she would pray words, I mean, things that aren't even happening in my life today before I was even saved. And I said, when did you pray for me? And she said, I would pray for you often between 10 p.m. and 12 a.m. in the night. And I would say, Mom, there were so many times I would be at parties, I would be at places, and I would just feel my heart I knew I didn't belong there. See, God was getting through to me. I'm a witness to that. You know when I was led to the Lord at my mother's kitchen table because I just couldn't take it anymore. And I just said, "Man, I don't want to do this. And I called my mom up. And that's how I got saved. War Room is a literal story about my mom bringing me to the Lord. It's not just that woman on that show. Are you listening to me? It has happened so many times in people's lives. Keep praying. Let's pray for corruption to get out of our government. Amen.
0: City of Chicago, Lord God, we pray for victory, Lord. We pray, Lord God, for our city officials, Lord God. I pray right now, Lord God, for for all every councilman, Lord God, every even the mayor, Lord God. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would just, Lord God, convict them, Lord God. I pray for conviction to come to their hearts, Lord God. And I pray right now, Lord God, that the spirit of of selfishness and greed, oh Lord God, ambition, Lord God. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would just, Lord God, deliver them from that, Lord God. That we would have people that are over authority in this city, Lord God, to be honest people, Lord God, rather than corrupt individuals, Lord God. Lord God, I lift up those, Lord God, who in law enforcement, Lord God, even in our schools, Lord God. Lord Jesus, that they would be set free from that corruptive spirit. Oh, Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, for victory, Lord God. We proclaim victory in Jesus' name. Lord God, that the enemy would no longer have influence on these people. But, Father God, that this city would be yours, Lord God, in Jesus' name,
5: Lord. Hallelujah, God. I want you to Think about this. How many know ISIS is our biggest enemy to the Americans right now? Pretty much, you know. It could be China one day, but like right now, right? Do you think prayer for ISIS works? Yes. Do you know the number one way that we stop terrorism is having Muslims come to Christ? And do you know the number one way that Muslims are coming to Christ right now? Through dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. I had to read a book in my study of Islam called Dreams and Visions. Is Jesus awakening the Muslim world. I would challenge anybody who has a heart for world missions to read that story after story. You know why that is? Is because though our missionaries can't reach them, we're praying for them. In this nation, God is my, I mean in this church, God is my witness. How many times, Ricky, have you seen us put up the nations of the Middle East, Northern Africa, and we're pronouncing their names, praying for them. God has given imams in the mosque a vision of Jesus. People have given, Jesus had this, showed up to people while they're at Mecca doing the Hajj. Right now, one of the fastest growing churches in the world is in Iran. In Iran right now. Young girls were there, they had seen visions of Jesus. I'm telling you the truth, my friends, it works. Do not be deceived by this kind of spirit we have here because we're not screaming at the top of our lungs. The prayer is not determined. The effectiveness is not determined upon our volume but on our faith. Now, it would be, if you, it'd be a little bit more exciting if you guys start making a little more noise because we're not in a library, amen? So if you could just say a little louder amen while they're praying, it would be a little bit encouraging, okay? Okay? But let me just say this. It's happening around the world. It's happening around the world. Let's keep praying. And I think you ended up praying for violence, didn't you? So let's have you pray for perversion. Anything that you can think of from the gay community to young people running around doing stuff they shouldn't. Let's war against those spirits of the air that are trying to get people to look at Lady Gaga. Because I didn't have time to talk about this in second service. But Lady Gaga is a false prophet of the enemy. See, when I was talking about powers, I only stopped at Hitler. You know, Hitler being influenced. But who do you think is giving a lot of those lyrics to Lady Gaga? Who do you think gives a lot of those lyrics to Lil Wayne? Who do you think is giving Oprah Winfrey a lot of her ideas? Satan. Now, they may not be possessed, but they are certainly being influenced by the powers of this air, and they are having a lot of influence. Try to talk to a teenager on the west side, but let them listen to that rap all day long, and it washes their brain with filth instead of washing it with worship and praise. Look at that. Hello. Try to talk to somebody downtown that loves their job and is an idol of money. They won't listen to you, but they'll listen to a Forbes magazine. You see, because the world has people leading them through those powers. And we're going to pray now that the powers of the homosexual community are broken down. I want to see. I want to see Caitlyn Jenner with tears coming down his eyes, saying, "I repent, because this doesn't make me happy. I've been deceived." Right. How many of you thought an outfit would make you happy and it didn't? How many of you thought a relationship would make you happy? He's going to find out sooner or later. That will never satisfy him.
7: Hallelujah. I pray against the perversion over this generation in the name of Jesus. And I cast every bit of perversion to the pits of hell where it belongs. Satan, you cannot have this generation's purity. You cannot have this generation's sexuality. You cannot have this generation's mind. You cannot have this generation's body. I claim that this will be a generation that loves the Lord with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And no power in hell will prevail against the blood of Jesus Christ. I pray right now, Lord God, that we would see young people who don't listen to Lady Gaga and the voices, Lord God, of this generation, Lord God, but that they will listen to what your word says, Lord God. I pray for godly men and women to come, Lord God, that rap and sing, Lord God, to take over the music industry in the name of Jesus to take over media in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, for a pure generation who seeks you, Lord God, with all their hearts and finds you, Lord God. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, against the homosexual agenda, against the agenda that that, that wants to take away the family unit, Lord God. I cast them into the pit of hell, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, for your plans, the mind of Christ, the love of Jesus, that that would be what our young people see, Lord God, that that would be what we live by in Jesus' name.
5: Come on, give it up for Jesus. Amen. Now let me call down Jen real quick. Jen, come on down. I try to give you guys testimonies about each one of these things. Come down quickly. One of her best friends was a lesbian, Sadia, right? Now, I want to make sure I get this story straight. Now, you know, let me just give you the good news right now. Sadia's in Bible college at Mardi Gras preaching the gospel right now. So what happened with Sadia? She was in her car or something, and you called her out the blue, or she called you? How did that first conversation transpire?
2: Um, She called me. She
5: called you, and she was asking for prayer or just to talk about stuff. You started talking to her about Jesus and then you led her to the Lord and prayed with her there on the phone?
2: No, I was in her car.
5: Yeah. You were in her car. So you guys were hanging out and you're just talking. She starts telling you her problems and then you say, "Let's talk about uh, let me talk to you about Jesus and then let's pray." That young lady gave her heart to Jesus. Never Needed any of us to tell her to grow out her hair or to dress like a girl. All we did is just keep loving on her. But that girl now is saved in Bible college and is out there telling others about Jesus. Amen? And you want to thank you. And you want to know why that is? is because we pray prayers like this so that when she sits in a car with her friend, that devil's already been defeated, the victory's been won, she just proclaims it, and that devil's got to get out of there. Amen. So it doesn't matter if we're praying for gangbangers to be saved. The one who leads our gang ministry got saved in jail. It doesn't matter if we're praying against corruption or other false religion. The truth to come out, it will happen in Jesus' name or against the sexual perversion of this world. So what should we do as we prepare for this series for the rest of the month? Just keep reading your Bible and praying and go through those scriptures and see how it encourages you. But do those things and whoop the devil. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, let's get it on. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We're going to end in worship. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Have a great week in the victory of Jesus. Let's get it on. There is no way We'll see you next week. There is no greater.
2: There is stronger than our God.
5: If you want to come for prayer, man, we'll pray right now. You will experience the power of God.